0: Well, we are going to be in the letter uh, to the Hebrews this morning. And so if you do have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to open them up to uh, the letter of Hebrews. We're going to go to chapter 2. We are in the middle of a sermon series right now called God is Able. And when we talk about God being able, there are a few different things that we're going to talk about. Last week, we talked about God being able to strengthen you. And this week, we're going to talk about God being able to help you. And in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about God being able to deliver you and so many other uh, wonderful things that God is able to do on our behalf um, because we desperately need Him to work On our behalf. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 18. Uh, Allow me to pray as we get started in our time together this morning. Uh, Lord Jesus, we certainly are weak and needy. And so I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would help us to lean on Christ Jesus, our Lord. Lord, that we would not only get strength from him, but we would also get the help that we desperately need from him. And it's in Jesus' name that I, that I ask all of these things. Amen. Well, in July 1965, the Beatles released an album that immediately went to number one on the Billboard charts. And even though the album itself was a total success, it really only had two Maybe three hits, uh, we could argue whether or not uh, you 've got to hide your love away was actually uh, was actually a hit, uh, but it 's hard to argue against a song like "Ticket to Ride" being a massive hit for the Beatles. The other hit song to uh, to the thousand nine hundred and sixty five album was the title track uh, that uh, Lennon and McCartney had written, and just as All other Lennon and McCartney songs, the lyrics to the song is universal to the human condition. It resonates with us because every one of us have felt this way in one way or another in our lives. And perhaps you know the song. It goes something like this. Help! I need somebody. Help, not just anybody, help. You know, I need someone, help. And Lennon in his lyrics, he goes on to to write, when I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. But now these days are gone and I'm not so self-assured. And now I find I've changed my mind and opened up the doors. And now my life has changed in oh so many ways. My independence seems to vanish in the haze. But every now and then I feel so insecure. I know I just need uh, you like I've never done before. Help me if you can. I'm feeling down and I do appreciate you being around. Help me get my feet back on the ground. Won't you please, please help me? Have you ever felt like that before? You know, last week we looked at the idea that we're not quite as, as strong as we like to think that we are. And that we desperately need the strength that God provides in Jesus through faith. And so it is with that presupposition in mind that we look at this uh, short passage in the letter to the Hebrews. There are so many helps that we can turn to whenever we need it. If we're in danger, we can call the sheriff. If we're in a medical emergency, we can call an ambulance. If our house is on fire, we can call the fire department. If we're in legal trouble, well, we can call a lawyer. Or maybe when we, we just need to talk to someone, we can phone a friend. You know, every day, Julie and I need to help our children with something that they're not able to do on their own. But what if the, the help runs out or the help is insufficient? You know, friends are great, but there's only so much that they can do. The police and the fire department, they're great and we're so thankful for them, but they have limitations. Now when John Lennon wrote the the lyrics to the song Help, it was in response to him being emotionally overwhelmed by the uh, enormity of the Beatles' popularity at the time. In a 1980 interview, John Lennon said this, the whole Beatles thing was just beyond comprehension. I was subconsciously crying out for help. maybe you, wherever you're watching this morning, or for whatever reason, you need help and you don't know where to turn to. Well, the author of Hebrews tells us that there is someone that we not only can, but should go to. One that will never let us down and one that will never run out of resources. And his name is Jesus. And we need to go to him because he is able to help us. Look with me in the letter of Hebrews. Chapter 2, starting in verse 14. This is what the author writes. Since therefore... Would God have his blessing on the reading of his word this morning? You know, if we were to summarize the entire letter to the Hebrews, we could do so in three words. Jesus is better. And thus far, even though Hebrews is a, is a, is a large letter. Uh, Here in chapter 2, thus far in the letter, the author, whom we don't even know who the author actually is, he has told us that Jesus is better than angels. And now his next subject in this passage here, he tells us that Jesus is a better help than anyone or anything that we can go to. So with that in mind... We must go to Jesus in our struggles. That's our first point this morning, is we need to go to Jesus in our struggles. You know, throughout Scripture, Scripture tells us that really we have three different enemies uh, in this life. Uh, The first is the world. And not talking about the physical world, but rather it is talking uh, more so about the, uh, the world's culture and its practices, uh, those, those things that it inclines us towards being more like what the world is like. So we have the world as one of our enemies. The second thing that scripture tells us Is that we have the flesh, which means we are our own worst enemies. We have these inclinations. We have these struggles. We have these thoughts. And we have these behaviors. That more often than not, are we not our own worst enemy? So we have the world. We have the flesh. But thirdly, uh, Scripture tells us that one of our enemies is the devil or Satan. Now, we don't do a whole lot of talking uh, about uh, Satan. We do a lot of talking about the first two. But in many evangelical circles, we sort of want to uh, push the other topic sort of out of the way. And I think that there are reasons for that, which is another topic for another time. But we must acknowledge the reality of Satan in the world. The, The author of the letter of Hebrews, he assumes his existence. And when you read through the Gospels, Jesus is very clear that Satan is real and that he's destructive and that he is a liar. Peter says that he is out uh, like 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 a lion trying to find who he can devour. And Satan does indeed wreak havoc in our world and in our personal lives, does he not? And it's shown in the chaos in the world. And it is shown in the the messiness of our personal lives. And yes, it is true that you and I have personal responsibility. Yet Satan and his lackeys are certainly at work in our struggles. However, the author of the letter of Hebrews tells us something incredible that Jesus did on our behalf. Look at me, uh, look look with me in verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise took in the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death that is the devil. And so the author here is is reflecting on the fact that you and I are weak, we are needy, we are helpless, especially against the power of sin and the power of the devil. But the author explains to us the crazy way in which God took care of our problem, the way in which God got the devil off of our back. And paradoxically, notice that he did not do this through some grand display of miraculous power. But he did it by entering into our weakness, by becoming like us. Verse 14 again. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. So the author then here describes the depth of the weakness that he took on in verse 14. Says that through death, There is nothing in life that displays the extent of our weakness and our lack of control than death. And here we have Jesus, fully God, yet fully man, going through the process of our deepest weakness, death, But his death was unlike any of ours. Even in his weakness, he still accomplished the impossible. He swiped away the power of Satan in one fell swoop. Verse 14. Through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is, the devil. You see, the word destroy here doesn't mean eradicate. That will happen. But in his death, Jesus took away Satan's power to have dominion in our lives. He defanged him. So even though he is still at work today, he is like a pit bull Without, a, without teeth, he has no power. And when he tries to attack us, all he can do is gum us. <laughs> he has no power. It's a weak threat at best. And because Jesus defanged the serpent, he shows us that he is powerful enough to help us in our struggles. Has this, was I playing bass even without, you bet. okay. <laughs> Has this stay at home order welded up struggles for you that you didn't even know you had? Maybe you're having spiritual battles right now that you thought that you had victory over, but yet they have resurfaced. Go to Jesus. He can help. He can take away these, uh, these, these thoughts and these actions and go to him because he has taken away the dominion of Satan. Satan who wants to sift you like wheat. He is a better king and he delights to help you. And secondly, we need to go to Jesus in our fear. Go to Jesus in our fear. You know, there's no uh, shortage of things to fear these days. We're in the middle of both a health crisis and an economic crisis. And those are on top of the countless other uh, anxiety-inducing stressors that we have in our lives. But of everything that we fear, perhaps the most feared thing is our inevitable death. Our culture does not like to think about death. It likes to avoid it at all costs. And primarily this is because many or most or all of us are terrified of death. Perhaps Woody Allen had said it best when he said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. But not only did Jesus, in taking on flesh and blood and experiencing death, not only did he disarm the, the spiritual rulers and, and authorities from Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, but he also helps us in our deepest fears. Look with me in verses 14 through 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery." So, the author here recognizes that fear is a very powerful thing that can actually paralyze us. Is it not true that there are ways in which you and I could say that we are slaves to fear? Some of us are so scared of losing friends that we won't have those difficult conversations that we need to have. Some of us are so afraid of losing our jobs that we won't speak up when we see the injustice and the wrong that is happening in the workplace. Some of us are so afraid of our kids getting hurt or sick and and we coddle them to unhealthy extents and we don't actually give them true life. Some of us are so afraid of anything going wrong that we won't take risks at all. But the author here. Reminds us That on the cross Jesus purchased our fears and delivered us from them With each nail that went through his wrists and through his his feet he was Pulling us away from the tight grip that fear has on us. Does this mean that in Christ that we should never be afraid of anything? I, I don't think that's what it's saying, because fear is a gift from God that can actually protect and save our lives. But paralyzing fear? God doesn't want that. God wants us to be free in Christ. And through His work on the cross, He gives us that. So how do we take hold of this relief or this freedom? Through faith. Faith in Christ not only uh, applies redemption to us, but also uh, all the other countless benefits that we receive from Christ and the freedom from fear being one of them. Trust him to do this. And you can live in the fear, uh, you can live without the fear that he promised. So that's the second thing, is that we need to go to Jesus in our fear. And third and finally, we need to go to Jesus in our temptations. Go to Jesus in your temptations. Look, at me, uh, look with me in verses 17 and 18. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted... He is able to help those who are being tempted. There's one big phrase in these couple verses here, few verses that uh, should jump out at us. And if you're one of those who, who likes to underline your Bibles, this is what I would recommend for you. Are these words, in every respect, let that sink in. Jesus had to become like you and like me in every respect. Jesus knows how to help you, not in theory, not clinically, not academically, but experientially. He can help. Because he's been through it. He knows firsthand what it is like to live in this fallen world. Jesus experienced what a cool breeze on a warm summer day is like. He knows what it's like to be let down by someone close to him. He knows what it's like to taste and enjoy an exquisite meal. He knows what it's like to miss the nail and have the hammer hit your finger instead. He experienced body odor and he experienced growing pains. He lost baby teeth. He was probably picked on growing up. He was tempted with sin and he suffered. And because, as fully God, yet fully man, he experienced life in all these different ways, including suffering and temptation. He is able to help you in your temptations and in your sufferings. So are you feeling the pressure today to do something that you never thought that you would do? Maybe you're struggling with an attitude Maybe you are in, in boredom and in loneliness getting into things that you know that you shouldn't. Go to Jesus. Go to the one who not only knows but enters intimately into your struggles and your weaknesses, in your fears and in your temptation. And when you do, you will rely on him more and more and more. And you will grow in your faith. And you'll recognize more of your weakness. You'll recognize more of your need for help. Growing in your faith. And you'll experience him through his spirit. Making you more like him every day. Help. I need somebody, help, not just anybody, help. You know, I need someone, help. Friends, help is not just on the way. Help is here and his name is Jesus. Call out to him today. Father, thank you so much that you have given us this word through the letter of Hebrews to tell on our own strength. But Father, I pray that we would lean on Jesus in our weakness and lean on Jesus in our helplessness. And Father, I pray if there's someone out there right now that may be going through a struggle, Lord, that nobody else even knows about, That right now, maybe even for the first time, that they would lean on you and that they would trust Christ to help them. That you would give them the faith that not only saves, not only redeems, but also helps. And it's in Jesus' name that I ask this. Amen.